Welcome to this episode of Interstellar. I am here with Thomas Sokowitz, the founder and creator of Interstellar. And today, in this episode, we will be exploring the transmutation of the dark feminine. And so to get us started, I would like to begin by hmm, announcing the space as sacred and creating some intentions for our conversation today. Uh, Thomas, I would like to hand you the talking stick. Um, say some blessings for us. Mm. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, first and foremost, uh, especially considering the nature of this call, I just want to go ahead and honor and invite in uh, the Great Mother in all of her forms, with all of her names, whether you choose to call her Sophia or Isis or Pachamama or any of the other myriad of 10,000 names that the Great Mother has. I want to invite her here, uh, it's here, and all of its essence into this space. Really give honor and presence to that energy and, and give thanks. And also, of course, to the four directions, uh, bringing them in to create that sacred container for this call and all of those benevolent guides that support us and, and lead you and I here in sharing this information. And I just ask with humble gratitude that uh, whatever is needed at this time, that we can be a vessel for that and that this information reach whoever and exactly it needs to reach at this time. And just give thanks for this moment of sharing space for you and and give thanks to whoever is on this call and, and listening that uh, just want to honor you for spending this time with us and, and sharing this moment. And also just want to really give thanks to you, uh, you know, for, for this opportunity to come on and, and interviewing me and co-creating this with me. Uh, feels really special to be asked to to share and, and co-create around this topic. So thank you. Mm. Yes. Reciprocal gratitude indeed. So I would like to begin our conversation by asking everyone to take a big deep breath and find in your body where it is that your flesh is meeting whatever form of Mama Earth it is, whether you're standing or sitting, just feeling the weight of gravity, that force that connects us all and keeps us all home here on this planet, and just feeling how supported we are with the earth beneath us as we enter in to this territory of conversation where the waters might get a little dark and murky <laughs> <laughs> that we feel the ground beneath us 
Well, hopefully they get a little bit dark and murky or we probably, we wouldn't have done our jobs correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. (laughs) Hmm. And so with that, um, I'd love to start by defining what we mean by the, the dark feminine. You know, there's so many terms out there being bantered about. Um, divine masculine, divine feminine, toxic masculine, toxic feminine. Um, and so when we say, you know, dark feminine, um, what are we talking about? Yeah, well, you know, for me personally, it kind of means uh, a couple different things, at least uh, how I was feeling to get into it in this topic uh, or in this discussion. Um, for one, <clears throat> I would say the dark reference of being uh, those aspects of the feminine within each of us or within the collective uh, as a whole that really have maybe been uh, either ignored or wounded or uh, unrecognized to create a space of uh, energy that that really needs healing in some form or another, Uh, generally where there is latent and stored uh, stored power or energy that can be made available uh, and brought into a more balanced state. I also feel with that the the idea of the dark can also represent something that is uh, that is hidden or unable to be fully seen or understood until it is uh, given attention to or processed or recognized or or healed in in some form or another. That's at least uh, how my feeling is about what we're going to get into on this show. Great. And, you know, for just a timestamp purpose, but also um, because I think it is part of this conversation to name that, you know, right now you and I are talking um, just after the Aries full moon at a time in the season where the the days are getting shorter um, we are rapidly approaching a time of the year when the they say the veils are the thinnest. Um, mm-hmm. It is the time when Persephone uh, makes her way into the underworld, um, right, readying for winter in that season. Um, and in this year of 2020, you know, here in California, the skies have been literally darkened by smoke. Um, mm-hmm. We feel the the darkness of the atmosphere um, in folks' unsavory natures coming out as our country is increasingly polarized by the political landscape. And mm-hmm. so there is this sense of growing darkness. Um, yeah, 
Probably. I'm curious if there, you know, part of the the impetus for this conversation was a post you made on Facebook and talking about um, this particular season, this particular time being important to reckon with the dark feminine. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, yeah, if you can say something about how the what's significant about the timing and and why now? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, for starters, uh, <clears throat> we have a, we have a lot of a lot of interesting uh, astrology aspects going on over the course of the next month. I mean, we have all year, of course. Uh, we wouldn't be having as wild and crazy of stuff going on if we didn't. But um, in particular, with the things going on right now in astrology, there's a lot of highlight of the dark feminine. And I, will, I want to talk for a minute, a bit, a minute about how I, how I pinpoint that, I guess you would say, and what I mean by that. So um, in astrology, there are a few different things that in particular uh, tend to have connotation with the dark feminine, uh, one of which being the planetoid Aries, uh, a couple other being uh, both the asteroid Lilith and then uh, the uh, theoretical, quote-unquote, theoretical point known as Black Moon Lilith. Uh, those are the three things which are most notably uh, recognized as having things to do with the dark feminine. But then just in general, the asteroid goddesses, uh, of course, uh, in particular, I'm talking about Ceres, uh, Vesta, Juno, and um, the the fourth one, uh, Ceres, Vesta, Juno, and Pallas, Pallas Athene. And so those things as well, although they don't particularly necessarily have a connotation with the quote-unquote dark feminine, because they represent the feminine transformational processes in general, of course, each of those different asteroids have kind of like a shadow side. Um, and in that sense, I guess uh, I want to bring them up also as kind of this transformational process uh, that has to do with the dark feminine. And this is really important because, you know, when you look into the asteroids in general, especially uh, Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta, before we as a collective uh, or as a planet uh, went into more patriarchal times, the mythologies around these asteroid goddesses were, were different. Mercury retrograde happenings already. Sorry about that. I, my phone fell off the desk. Um, so those asteroids, the mythologies have, have shifted uh, since we... You can hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, just double-checking after that uh, mishap with the phone. So those mythologies have shifted, and you know there was a time when those asteroids were recognized as being equal uh, in counterparts to their masculine counterparts, which we know as the planets. Um, and that's, of course, shifted. A lot of times you don't even hear about the asteroids in astrology. A lot of times you mention Vesta to somebody and they're like, 
what are you talking about? Um, and that's really important to recognize because those are, those are transformational processes in the psyche, right? They're, they're processes throughout time. They're how we transform and how we move energy, which is inherently kind of like a feminine process, this, uh, this movement of energy through the psyche or through the collective. And we are coming up on both Scorpio season and a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio. And Scorpio, uh, of course, has its own connotations with the dark feminine, uh, it being representative of that underworld nature, the, uh, the sexual kind of like power uh, within us, the, the kind of like untapped resources of sexuality within ourselves and how those things play a part into creating reality. We also have the association there with uh, Scorpio being ruled by Pluto, which Aries is right out our solar system past Pluto, which may get into talking about that. So <clears throat> that coupled with, we've had this Mars retrograde going on now for some time that has been conjuncting uh, both uh, Lilith and Aries in, in Aries. And all of these things are making very large aspects coming up over the next month. There's, there's been aspects going on uh, with Mars and square to Pluto, square to Saturn, square to Jupiter, all this stuff over in Capricorn. And then now over the course of the next month, we have a bunch more aspects that are going to be surrounding all of this, uh, all of these different asteroids and planets um, coming into major aspects of transformation around these things. Yes. And so one of my favorite ways of um, really understanding, you know, we can talk mm. about this planet doing this and this and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that, that information can, can feel, uh, especially for folks who don't have a good astrology vocabulary, um, you know, they're like, wait, that means what? I have to look it up. So in particularly, I, I want to go through one of those aspects with you and kind of play it out on a stage with, with characters, yeah. you know, and get into the kind of um, what uh, one of my other favorite astrologers, Adam Sumner, would call the mythopoetic. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, you were talking about Mars in retrograde and mm -hmm. Lilith and the dance that they're doing right now in Aries. And then we can also get, in, get into Mars's dance with Eris as well. Um, but Lilith is my homegirl. Um, she's, mm -hmm. <laughs> she's been a, a potent and important force in my life for a really long time now, which is honestly one of the reasons why I broached you with the, this, the idea of this call is because she has been rumbling really loud um, mm -hmm. in, in my ear. And so, yeah, if you were, if you were going to put that aspect, um, that dance on a, on a stage right now, like describe to us the theatrics of what's happening, you know, um, in that aspect. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So <clears throat> Mars retrograde is, is really the way that that's kind of theatrically coming into the play is as a, let's say, some sort of warrior character <clears throat> that is coming up against a sudden realization or experience of the truth and matter-of-fact nature of how his warrior-like choices have, have affected the reality. And I'm not just talking about directly, I'm talking about like over generations and generations, let's say, right? So, um, <clears throat> you know, each of us as individuals, but because this aspect is confronting more of these collective energies, uh, you know, with this, with this square going on, this is like the realization of how certain warrior-like tendencies within this character uh, over generations have created, let's say, somewhat of an unsustainable monster, so to speak, Right, like imagine somebody that's like comes from a lineage of warriors, and they kind of have one purpose for many generations, which is like going to war and being the best at going to war. Right, that's you know their their mother, their father's 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 father for generations, and that's what they're taught to do, and that's what they're good at, and they're amazing at it in this in that respect. And then when Mars goes retrograde. Mars goes retrograde right now, is kind of like all of a sudden coming up against this realization of like that just being good at going to war over and over and over again has now kind of uh, depleted a number of different aspects and like it's just very like unbalanced, right? It's like there's obviously more to the world than being the best at going to war. And if all you do is go to war over and over and over again, you know, war takes a lot of resources. It kills a lot of people. It causes a lot of pain and trauma and bloodshed, a lot of different things. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's why you've got an image of Mars of, like, this warrior actually, like, being forced to turn around and walk backwards through the piles of corpses in his wake. Exactly. And then also in that moment, having those understandings of like, oh, wait, that person that I killed had a mom and kids and family. And so did that other person. And like, uh, you know, now they're, how are those kids going to feed their families? And like, uh, you know, oh, wait, we just like burned down an entire town. Uh, well, you know, all these things, like there's, because retrograde, really what that is, is that external force, which in this case is the Mars warrior energy, going internal 
for, for this time period and, and, and reflecting, you know, is going, huh, wait a minute, like, is war really all I want to do? And <clears throat> this, you know, on a more practical modern stage, although war is obviously a thing too, um, this can come down to the individual as something like business, you know, or, uh, you know, the, the American dream, you know, <laughs> use, use that type of ideas. Like the American dream is very, in a lot of ways, very warlike, right? You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the most money as possible and I'm going to build this empire of a life or something, right? Mm-hmm. And how these, how these two characters are interacting, right, because now we're going to flip it to the other side, um, Lilith in, in Aries, right? So interestingly enough, Lilith and Aries are both in Aries right now. And actually, I'm pretty sure the dark moon is too. With all th- so all three of these dark feminine aspects are all in the sign of Aries, uh, which is where Mars is at. And the, let's say the shadow side of most of these energies in Aries is the feminine that is basically feels that in order for it to be worthy, that it needs to be more masculine, mm. right? This, this is kind of like the, you know, the daughter, let's say, that like had a father who really only, that really wanted a son, you know, and then so, yep. or maybe either they wanted a son or they had a daughter, but they didn't know what to do with the daughter, you know, it may not just be that they just wanted a son, but they also could have just wanted a son because of programming that they received from their parents of society or whatever. I, I'm not like blaming the dad in some sort of way as like, oh, it's your right. fault. You wanted a son and you didn't want me. We don't need to get into all of that. It's more like there's like a program that essentially made them not able to necessarily, because probably they couldn't connect with their own inner feminine. They were right. really sure how to, in, how to interact with the feminine. And so they're like taking the daughter to do all of these like strictly masculine type of activities, right? And so now you have a, let's say you have, because Aries, and I'm, I'm going to use these two a little bit interchangeably because really at the heart of it, Lilith is kind of like the more personal way that Aries uh, kind of comes up. Okay, so this is like Lilith is more like tangible to us and we like see the way that this affects us more on like a daily basis. But really Lilith sends all these signals from this deep ancestral uh, energy bubbling up outside of the galaxy, uh, sorry, outside of the solar system just past Pluto. So it's like collective trauma that bubbles up through Lilith's personal stuff, right? And so what we have here is generations of women or men with their own feminine essence, right? Because this isn't just men and women. This is the feminine within the man and the feminine within the woman that has just been said 
to over and over again that your feminine isn't really valuable here. Well, because, and taking it back to the original yeah. Lilith myth, it's the feminine who's actually exiled. Exactly. She's kicked out <laughs> and demonized, mm-hmm. literally. Right, which that there really comes back um, in a lot of ways to, you know, the the round table that was there at, um, was that like the Council of Nicaea or whatever, um, when essentially the power was looked to be taken away from the collective, right? Like a bunch of, let's say, wounded, most likely men, uh, got together and looked to develop a way that power could be removed from the collective. And power, of course, is connected to sexuality. Yep. That's where our ability to create comes from, you know, where we're literally, we are hue men, ancient Egyptian origin, okay? Men is the god of sexual energy, sexual prowess, procreation. In who, H-U, is the command of word or spoken word or commands, right? So literally we have human, right? This is what we are, uh, is those who can procreate or those who can create with sound rooted in sexual energy. And so the way to disconnect people from that would be to basically demonize the feminine because there's also a lot of the over, the overwhelming amount of like sexual power in the world is channeled through the feminine. <clears throat> it's channeled through that process of creation, which we all know that the root of the power to create life is in the women, right? Um, of course, you know, we can get into like now all these crazy things within science and, you know, being able to like create babies and test tubes and things like that, which once Which again, is another kind of like a, manifestation yes. of this like <laughs> disconnection from our exactly. sacral root energies. Yeah. Totally. But... Yeah, so, and, you know, we could probably go back even further past the the Council of Nicaea to many, many other things and perhaps other dimensions and space times and things like that. But what's important to realize is that, and we, who knows, we may even want to get into that. Um, But, you know, that's where we get into some of the archetypal stories of these characters of the asteroids too, where Black Moon Lilith, uh, Lilith the asteroid, and Ceres the asteroid, a lot of people have theorized 
used to all be one part of a planet that was destroyed. Right. Um, and so then that's like a whole another can of worms. I don't necessarily think that that's where we're going to go in this moment, but it is interesting uh, to talk about. That's where we get into some people theorize that the moon is artificial and that it came from another place, but that's even like a whole other thing. But then, you know, there was this, this story where uh, Tara, which is a much larger version of Earth, uh, got crashed into by this other planet, and then that created the asteroids, and this is like the dark feminine, which some people attribute to the story of uh, like the Adam and Eve thing, even. You know, with Adam, mm. what, the first wife was Lilith, but then she was exiled from the garden. Some people feel that that was a metaphor for... Uh, you know, some sort of extraterrestrial race or something in the solar system in the galaxy coming in and destroying this, uh, this planet or whatever object or a collision happening may not have been intentional either. Um, and that destruction causing this kind of like disconnected asteroid uh, aspects and then the dark moon Lilith being this kind of theoretical point of where that thing once was. So there's all, you know, there's all sorts of different things there. And like I said, I don't necessarily feel that's where we're going in this moment, but it's cool stuff to look into for sure. Right. And it all speaks to these, um, what I would think of as like the fracturing of mm -hmm. something that wants to feel whole. Exactly. And this is, in you know, totally shift this if you want to go somewhere else, but this is where I feel like it's good to bring this back for a second to some things that are a little bit more tangible and practical um, for us or for the, the listener or whatever, right? So yeah. we have all, at one point or another in our lives, unless... You are a very, very unique, special individual. Uh, I'm not saying that this is not possible, but uh, from everything that I'm aware of, we have all in one point or another uh, experienced this fracture in our lives. Um, usually it could have been at birth. It could have been not too long after birth. It could have been at a couple years old. Uh, and a lot of times this fracturing is a process too. It's not necessarily just like, oh, there's the fracture and that's it and I'm fractured and that's the end. It's usually uh, a process over time that happens through, through many different things, through uh, some of the worst experiences. You know, we, can, we have a spectrum here. It'd be like sexual abuse, um, of course, in this type of topic, that sort of thing comes up. And that sexual abuse can have its whole spectrum, you know, of like where it could just be watching a TV show, you know, more programming where the sexuality is kind of like misrepresented or something like that. And it could go to the other end of the spectrum of like lit. And I'm not saying one's more or less than the other. We don't need to get into that. But just like it could go into actual like physical sexual abuse uh, or something of that nature, and there's also uh, being sexualized, 
you know, mm-hmm. which happens uh, to to both sides of the uh, the spectrum. And there's also, um, you know, fracturing can be physical abuse. It can be emotional. It could be uh, it could be something as simple as just a shock to the system. Like for a child, especially those that are extremely energetically sensitive, it could be something as simple as, you know, mom not coming at the beck and call when you were hungry. You know, like all of these different sorts of things uh, cause fractures to, uh, to the sensitive child. Right. And this is why in a lot of these different mythologies, we have these references to uh, fracturing. You know, it's like even like the story of Isis or Inanna and Osiris. You know, this right. uh, idea of like fracturing out there and recollecting all of these pieces until we get to this state of wholeness. These are all metaphors, you know, for the same process uh, or similar processes that go on. And so I'm I'm bringing this back to this because what I feel is important in some of the notes that I had that I wanted to bring up about the dark feminine is uh, all of these things take place in the body, right? Whether we're talking about these far out concepts like, you know, astrology and asteroids and uh, mythologies and things like that, uh, they are all just a map for our body and our psyche, okay? All these different things in astrology, they all have reference points within our body. And this is why, in bouncing around here, a huge theme that has to do with the dark feminine is addiction, okay? Addiction is a big, big theme right now in the collective with the astrology. It's a big theme over the course of the next month, uh, especially for this Mercury retrograde in the next couple months. And I want to touch on this because I feel that there's a lot of kind of juice hidden in here, especially when it comes to the dark feminine, because what happens in the addiction process is also related to this fracturing uh, of the, the psyche and of the, the wholeness, the power that we have within ourselves. Because essentially when we have this fractured state, right, we have, let's say, an experience when we're three where we're like, you know, a child, and we're playing, we're doing something, and then there is a fractured type of experience of trauma uh, that is painful for us. And so what happens is we literally split. Our psyche splits off from itself, and it takes an aspect of who it is in that traumatic moment, and it seals it generally within the nervous system, Hmm. as as a part it's basically like using a constriction 
of disconnecting from that aspect of energy flowing within ourselves, right? Of course, this can happen in the brain, but it can also happen in other places in the nervous system too. And so it kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, because it's trauma, right? It's kind of like a shock. And then all of a sudden there's a, like a tightening or a cinching of that area mm-hmm. in the nervous system. And basically what happens is the body signals or like goes through a, some sort of process to say, okay, don't go back into that space right. in the mind or in the nervous system because that's really scary. And it's right, painful. it's like sealing off the basement door, like don't go down there. Exactly. And so there, there's energy there, right? There's an aspect of our psyche, there's, there's energy that is there. And so addiction, addictions are, there, there's a lot of things going on with addictions, but because we lock ourselves out of certain aspects of our power, and thus our chemistry, our neurochemistry, right? Whether that's, uh, you know, oxytocin, serotonin, uh, dopamine, like these different sorts of chemistries, right? But there is a relation to uh, the feeling of a need or a thirst for wholeness, for completeness, Mm. because Mm. what that is is... it's looking for connection, right? Hmm. Because when we are connected, when we feel, when we feel in a sense, quote unquote, one with the other, and by the other, I just mean ourselves and the reflection of us in the world, right? So like the womb space, because we're in a giant womb right here on earth, you know, And then so essentially we go through this disconnection process to individualize in a lot of ways, right? We're like retracting certain portions of ourself and kind of bringing ourselves into this egg or cocoon throughout this process of trauma programming conditioning. And so we're essentially like sealing all these little spaces of and disconnecting. But there is a desire on a deep level to be reconnected to those spaces. And so what will happen is through this process, we can encounter actions or substances or people or processes, all sorts of different things that, let's say, mirror or substitute something similar to that feeling of connection that we get, that we get uh, and they trigger similar biochemistry to those feelings that our body naturally produces, you know, especially like oxytocin or serotonin and dopamine. These are all things that uh, are produced in, you know, drugs that are readily available or uh you know, sometimes even plant medicines when they're, let's say, like overused or something like that. Well, um, and also sometimes. in terms of like overeating, comfort eating, mm-hmm. binge watching, um, pornography. Yep. Uh, you know, I, 
They're all, all these things. So when we say yeah. addiction, we're not just talking about substances. There's so many different totally. behaviors that can substitute this this feeling of connection. Yeah, there's, there's I mean, almost anything can be brought into an addictive habit. At the end of the day, it's it's just um, it's just a matter of kind of like how it's used and what it's used for, things of that nature. Essentially, when something is used to basically mask confronting the trauma or the pain in order to reopen that aspect that aspect of ourself, right? When it's used as like a, a substitute for going into that space and feeling the feels, you know, as people say, or uh, mm-hmm. something to that respect. And this is really important especially at this time, because there are the, the, there's a major process of transformation that the earth is going through right now um, on many levels. And I did a huge post about, uh, about how this is coming online, but we can also, besides just astrology, we can see this in things like the fact that the sun is going through uh, a shifting phase. They call that um, basically the period of, of solar flares is, is really dying down. I forget what that term is. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. I do, know, I do know what you're talking about, and I, I'm not remembering the, the term right now either. But, yeah, it's minimum. like – That's what it is. Yes, yes. Sol- I was going to say decline, but I knew that was going Yeah. Yeah, so there's that going on. Then there's all these uh, crazy fluctuations of the Schumann resonance. There was actually within the oh, past yeah. like, month, there was even like a, uh, basically an entire day where the, the whole Schumann uh, meter itself went dark. And there was even like basically like some sort of like coded transmission in it, which I personally... Uh, tuned into and found it to be a transmission from uh, Lyra or Lyra. Um, well, I won't get into that right now, but there's all these different things coming online. And so mutations going on within our DNA that are related to this, uh, the shifts that are coming online and new energies that are available to us. So the way that this is showing up is that first and foremost, our womb space that we have, our reality, is first and foremost the earth, right? And the earth is connected into the solar system and the galaxy and the universe. It's, it's kind of like a transistor for cosmic energies that transmits to us as cells within this womb. Mm-hmm. And at different points, these new and different energies become available and received by the earth. And the earth has recently went through a series, but especially one shift in particular, where a whole new type of energy is available, has become available to the earth and thus to the cells, which are us. And I'm going to bring this to a really practical level for a moment. So all over the earth, 
we are seeing the, you know, massive awakening of like, wait, you know, it's, it's time that we shift from, away from fossil fuels, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so this is something that's really big in the collective field. And it's obvious. It's like, mm, it's time to move beyond fossil fuels. It's like, whether, whether or not you believe that fossil fuels have a connection with climate change or not or whatever, we can all just kind of generally accept and agree that there are better alternatives, right? Um, Whether that is, you know, something like uh, electric cars or is something all the way to the level of like free energy types of devices that have been suppressed, all myriad of different things, right? Uh, But the, the desire to move into the new direction of energy is there. And now we've, we've got to bring this back to our physicality too, right? Like our own physical bodies. Because if that change is going on collectively, how is it going on within us? Well, what is, what is the overly masculinized corporate patriarchal America run on? Oil. Yes, in one sense, but in a very basic day-to-day sense, it also runs on coffee. Oh, yes, it does. Um, and Another fruit of uh, the colonization process. Totally. And so there's a lot of interesting things going on here. For one, coffee floods the brain and the, the endocrine system with dopamine. Uh, For two, it also tends to put people into a state of fight or flight by releasing things like uh, cortisol to combat the uh, adrenaline, noradrenaline, things of this nature, right? So isn't this kind of, in a lot of ways, a byproduct of looking at men and women as these beings that need to achieve, go in the American dream, make more money, expand more, come up with bigger corporations, use more resources. Right? It's just that, that, you know, a lot of it yeah. is based on like, well, you know, if you don't have enough energy, grab another cup of coffee because you've got another four hours in your shift. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, and this is like our entire society is kind of based around this energy in a lot of ways. And dopamine, which is a major neurotransmitter that uh, is operating when we're drinking coffee, is very masculine. You know, that's why it's like has this energy of like, you know, push, get more done, must, uh, you know, must produce more, must, you know, it's like very kind of like uh, chaotic, but also kind of very focused. It's just a very masculine type of energy. Now, we can even get into the, uh, the semantics of this too, right? Like if you go into South American, uh, Latin American countries, coffee mm-hmm. is ca, ca, fe, cafe. Right? That's a, oh, let me get a, una cafecito, por favor. Right? Right. And cafe 
this is interesting, right? Because call, what is the call? Well, the call is the etheric double, yep. the energy double that we have that's made out of prana, made out of chi, whatever. We could get into the fine semantics of this, but it's essentially right. our energetic double, uh, which the whole idea, the process of building this energetic double gives us all these beautiful myriad of extra-dimensional superhuman type abilities, whether that's uh, psychic type of experiences, clairvoyance, uh, the ability to uh, astral travel, lucid dream, like all these different types of things, which are inherently in a lot of ways more feminine in certain tenses because, you know, where are you going to get time to be psychic and astral travel and lucid dream if you're building the American dream? Right, right. Um, those types of things, um, and so a lot of this stuff is just really coming back to neurochemistry, right? And I'm just the reason I'm going in this direction is because it's all going to kind of come into a picture here. But you know, a lot of people out there addicted to coffee. Um, I myself have been one of them. Something I've struggled with for years, and it's why I'm using this reference uh, because. I've been intimately shown how it works in relation to the types of things we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And the, so we have ka, mm -hmm. and then we have fe, or fi, right? Mm -hmm. So in one sense, you could look at that like a fee. As like in you like pay with your ka. <laughs> yeah, like you pay with your ka. In another sense, you could also just look at fe, which what is fe? Fe is iron. Okay, and I've noticed something both scientifically and physically about the way that coffee works is it actually, over time, prevents a full reuptake of iron within our system. Hmm. So this is really interesting on a number of levels because what is iron too? Iron is associated with Mars, okay, with masculinity, with Martian energy. Iron is also associated with the core of the Earth, right? The, in, in a lot of uh, scientific literature, you can right. see that there's like a crystal of iron core at the center of the Earth. So if people aren't properly uptaking their iron, you get two things. You get one, uh, an overflooding with the iron, which is essentially tapping people more into this kind of like Martian masculine state. And you also get a disconnection from the very deep levels of the body. Okay? Well, and also, iron is an important part of our blood, like our hemoglobin structure totally. is based on iron. And so in some ways it also seems like the iron is also this bridge between the masculine and the feminine because the blood is, you know, blood mysteries, like the cyclings of the blood mm -hmm. is so inherent to the feminine connection. 100%. And so now we have, you know, we're getting, we're getting to something here and just, and just one, you know, we're just talking about one addiction, but this is a huge one. It's one that on a lot of levels, it's like certain addictions 
let's say like heroin, right? Let's just go for or meth, right? Like people in our society look at something like that and they're like, <gasps> you know, the, it's just like super taboo, you know, it's very scorpionic topic, like, you know, but we could also look at something on the other side of it like uh, sex addiction, you know, but I'm talking, with that I'm talking more the level of like where there's like, there's kind of like darker things going on that are spoke about in the collective right now with, with sex, sex addiction and people in power and things like that, right? But we look, when we look at addiction in general, we have this like scale in our mind, you know, like a, a kind of like a false sort of scale. We're like, oh, coffee, no big deal, right? It's like, well, sure, but what if it's, you know, brought to this massive level where it is affecting the collective psyche on such a mass level that it's like being used as this tool Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways to like push everything out of balance. It seems small, but it actually can have a massive effect. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say like nobody should ever drink coffee, you know, or any of these things, you know, it's like to demonize any of these things goes the exact opposite direction the way we want to go. Right. But what I'm just, I'm bringing here to show how addictions in general, what they do is they really affect our neurochemistry and they lock us out of certain aspects of who we are, right? And so now let's relate this. So we have coffee. This is kind of like the personal oil, right? This right. Is like, more of like the collective consciousness is personal crude oil that the cars are running on. And uh, in order to tap into these new neurochemistries, these new levels of energy, we have to go through a, a shift in a process, right? It's, it's not like, it, it, it's like, it, it, it's a painful process though too, right? It's kind of like, we're like, now we're, we're that Martian character and we're like looking around at society and we're just looking at, let's say, you know, business, business as usual, right? Mm -hmm. And we're looking around and we're going, now we look at it like that battlefield, mm -hmm. right? And we're like, oh, wait, okay. So this isn't going the way that we thought it would go. Uh, what should we do about that? You know, and it comes back to on a, I bring everything back to this personal level. You know, like we go through this process of balancing our chemistry, you know, of like kind of eliminating slowly some of these things that have been uh, out of balance, right? But it's going to take time too. It's like, to go from an entire world pretty much that runs on cars uh, that run on oil, it, like, it's not just like necessarily instantaneous, yeah. like, right? It requires a change in infrastructure. Yeah. Like, it requires a, actually quite a bit of resources to dismantle and reassemble infrastructure. Totally. 
And, and first and foremost, this happens with each individual. You know, and this is, this is why, you know, Mars is a personal planet. Mm. Because it takes us each as individuals going through this process of shifting the way that our personal psyche works, confronting the inner dark feminine wounds, you know, and, and, and this is why, this is another reason why I relate addiction in this process to the dark feminine, right? Because mm-hmm. it's very much like, it, let's use an example for a second of like, I've, I've often talked to people before about uh, drugs being very much like abused, uh, an abused woman. You could use an abused man too, but like for for certain purposes, uh, I use the idea of abused woman because mm-hmm. of, of the way that certain plant spirits have mm-hmm. their, their feminine spirit, right? Yep. Let's, use the, let's use the example in this case of, uh, of coca because yep. this is a great one for me yep. to make with this analogy. So cocaine is a drug, Okay. Cue, uh, cue that, uh, that cocaine is a health drug. Um, right. <laughs> so cocaine is a drug, right? Coca, as a, coca is a sacred plant medicine. Okay? Right. There's a big difference. Now, in order to get the drug cocaine, the plant must literally go through an abuse process in a lot of ways. It has to be you know, it has to be mashed down. You have to add in all of these crazy chemicals. And, you know, oftentimes in other countries, if you see how this stuff's made, it's like, you know, women or young men, and they're like using their feet and they're stomping on the leaves and their feet are covered in gasoline or ethanol or whatever extraction stuff they're using uh, and, and things of that nature. But it's like literally the plant has to be, in a lot of ways, abused in order to get this very refined molecule out of it. Where coca, the plant itself, that's been sacred and used by many people for thousands of years, not only for uh, its energizing effect, but also for nutrition, um, is the process that people are using that in is much different. In the very, uh, usually in the very most, it's like just like gr- the leaves are ground down after they're dried, right? Which is much different than a whole chemistry alteration of the, the plant and the molecules, right? Now, when you have cocaine, now imagine that that substance is a, is a woman, right? And now she's been abused. And what happens when we're abused is we want and act, we act very differently, right? We like ask, like, you know, someone that's abused is like, you know, they can lash out. They can essentially, they can be in this place of being like a darker kind of like energy and like being very addictive or vindictive, these different types of things. You know, we have this energy of like somebody that's like, going to go out and, like, use people to get paid, 
or to get what they want or what they think they want, right? And so that's kind of how the energy of that plant substance works on that level. You know, it goes out in the streets, and then you get these people that they get high and they'll do anything to get high, right? Where on the other side of the coin, you have this plant that's used in this very sacred way, and you get people, another group of people like the Kogis, who are like chewing the leaves and their, their divination, they're connecting with the Divine Mother, you know? And so this, I use this because I think this is a very important way to understand addiction and how it works and how it's related to this whole uh, how it's related to this whole process. And as you said, it could be anything. I use that because it's very easy to see um, in that analogy. But we're not, we don't need to demonize the acts. You know, it's like we don't need to demonize sex, right? But if it's used in a way to disconnect from feeling these painful things in ourself that we don't want to feel, then, then we they have that, that addiction is like literally a, a, a feminine energy in ourself that is like pulling these experiences to us, these trauma-based experiences to us over and over again. It's like an unquenchable, unfulfillable type of energy within our, in our body, right? So it's, once again, with whatever it is, we keep going back to the same thing over and over again. But rather than being able to feel whole and feel quenched, right, we just bring ourselves the same patterns over and over again until it destroys us, right? That's essentially how uh, the dark feminine tends to work, especially in relation to addiction. Now, I'm going to bring in some mythology again for a second here because in Egyptian mythology, uh, Sekhmet is the uh, is is related to the the dark side of the feminine. You know, the the warrior goddess, right? And this has to do with warrior. Okay, we already have fight or flight, right? So it, we could see Sekhmet as being related to the adrenals in a lot of ways, right? And in the stories around Sekhmet, basically there's this one point where she becomes so out of control. Now keep in mind that Sekhmet is Ra's other half, right? She's always seen as the, you know, Ra, we have the sun god, Ra, and then the dark side of this energy is, is Sekhmet, and so this is our light, our wholeness, our connection, our ability to shine, our ability to create. And there's a story where Sekhmet basically is like released on the earth and she goes and she ravages everything and causes war and destruction and famine and all these different things. And until finally Ra like looks down at the earth and he's like, whoa, this is going out of control. And so this is really interesting in this story. Get, we're getting into we're getting some deep esoterica for a second. So Ra, what he does 
in order to stop this death and destruction is he has the people both stain the Nile red and also fill the Nile with beer <laughs> because he knows that Sekhmet will come to the river and drink all of drink drink the river essentially right and so two things going on here one in any egyptian mythology the true meaning of the nile is the shishumna or the vagus nerve <clears throat> so it's the spinal fluid right and when we once again when we are in fight or flight or this kind of like warring energy what happens the body starts to go into destruction the body starts to go into the state of like breaking that you know sending all the cortisol in to combat the adrenaline all these different things are happening where essentially our body is just breaking down over time it can't sustain that level of fight or flight right and then we have raw which is the solar plexus the solar energy well this is related to the gut healthy gut bacteria right the body uses fermentation quote-unquote beer for a lot of different things it uses it to make ATP which is the energy of of life and production in the body but we also just have the idea of like fermentation and its relation to probiotics and prebiotics and the gut brain and the microbiome and all the neurotransmitters are brought there or are, are made there a lot of them are made in the gut so then we get like this full circle right of what we essentially have right now is a planet that is basically been in flight or flight as its general mode of operandus for who knows how long and so we have you know depleted resources and uh, all these different situations we've got people dying we've got you know viruses coming in to help balance things out and we've got we just got what we what we see in the world right and by the same token a lot of times those types of situations happen because when we go through those processes it's like there are certain things that are extracted from the you know like flight or flight you know can actually help us a lot too there's certain situations where it's like you know we push ourselves way beyond the edge in a you know as we're hiking up a mountain or we're doing something like that and you know we can like push the body so we like detox it and things of that nature and then eventually at some point we have to like recoup all of those uh, those chemicals and that chemistry and, and start rebuilding and going into a more feminine state right so dark feminine versus healed feminine or however you want to term that whatever terminology you want to use uh, basically going into the parasympathetic mode and getting into things like spiritual spirituality and art creation uh, mothering caring about children all these different things right rather than 
once again, this like dark feminine energy that's just only loved for its over masculinity and its ability to produce. And yeah, that's, um, that's kind of like the overarching, uh, number of topics that I that I really had written down at least for so, for the show. Um it's so interesting. When you were initially talking about coffee and uh you know and and you know I I said oil, um one of the things that I just love is this uh and then you know, the Nile and the the vagus nerve, um, you know, <laughs> bringing it from the m- microcosm of our bodies to like the mesocosm of our society, and then the macrocosm of like our planet and uh, pet. We really are living in this. State, uh, and I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the rise of the theories of polyvagal theory, and you know all of this kind of new, not new information around how our nervous systems are really, really a important um, in terms of the sympathetic and parasympathetic, and b in this constant state of of frazzle depletion as a result of our lifestyles um, and mm-hmm. um, I, uh, so I'll say there's a couple of things and <laughs> what I just actually realized is that uh, my microphone wasn't working so there's a couple times that I tried to jump in and, and you couldn't hear me so just know <laughs> that um, but uh, yeah Mercury retrograde yay so uh, the the metaphor of like this coffee oil allegory, you know, um, and even and and like the literal embodiment of our adrenal system, you know, mm-hmm. at one point in time, oil was this super abundant, super easy to access super like you know high output per input source of energy in that same way that that first rush of adrenaline that we get is you know it's easy it makes it easy to move all those large muscle groups so we can run and jump and you know do all of these like lift cars off of our you know kids and and like (laughs) superhuman acts in the same way yep. that easily like available source of energy when oil was first discovered brought about this whole really superhuman shift in in our ability to lift things and move things and um, and now <laughs> it's just like in the same way that you know we we use coffee to like 
milk that every last bit of adrenaline out of our already taxed adrenals and end up mm-hmm. times as tired as we were before we drank the coffee, after drinking the coffee. You know, now we're at the point where extracting the oil takes more energy than the oil that we get out <laughs> because it's we have to dig so deep and you know, put it through all these refining process. In the meantime, toxifying our environment. Like, I mean, the allegory is just super, super rich. And so I just, like, want to, like, wow. Um, And then with the (laughs) vagus nerve and the Nile, like, that, um, you know, all all of our, our sekhmet, our wounded, dark feminine, just wants to go back to the river. You know, she just wants Mm -hmm. to be able to just fucking be, to just sit and drink and be satiated. Um, and, yeah, and uh, and so coming back then to <laughs> the that part of where we are right now, in, and, and, I, and yeah, I love yeah. that the conversations um, with you uh, are like, you know, the Eris asteroid, you know, we go like way far out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now let's orbit back, you know, to the personal, um, in our bodies, in our systems right now, you know, we have (laughs) this, um, the consequences of all of this playing out in our bodies and our energy fields right now. Um, And I'm taking an art history class and one of the, actually I'm taking a couple of art history classes and I was initially taking a like prehistory, you know, the art history class that starts with prehistory. And I had to drop it for a number of reasons. And one of which is that there is a way in which my nervous system could not fathom the scales of time that we were supposed to be talking about. You know, we're talking about 5,000 years of paintings within one cave um, that looked pretty similar. Um, You know, and then, so then you get more into like the, what we call like the dark ages. And we have a time period where for 500 years, Clothing doesn't really change that much. You know, a lot like the styles, the the aesthetics don't really change that much. And then now we're in a, a reality where, you know, our our reality is changing from moment to moment. The 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 speed at which our nervous systems have to deal with is mind blowing and literally circuit blowing. And I wonder so going back to where this conversation kind of started or one of the places that it started with, you know, we have these experiences of trauma and we have these experiences that are walled off from our availability, um, Mm -hmm. sort of sealed Mm -hmm. away. Um, And there's, I think, and, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are, that there's something about the slowing down and there's something about the allowing ourselves to just be at the river um, that is so important 
for unsealing those doors and inviting those parts of ourselves that have been locked away in those dark, scary basements um, and just, you know, like screaming and lashing out in all these, what we can think of as inappropriate ways, that they're brought back with us and they're befriended and they are restored to their dignity so that we can actually access their wisdom and their power and not power in the power over sense but power in the power with sense to so we have the resources to do all this structural overhaul in terms of rebuilding our ka and being in right relationship with the planet and each other um, and so yeah, yeah. what in your from where you're sitting where Where's the best places to start that process? Where are the places that we can actually, right now in our lives, the people who are sitting here listening to this, maybe feeling overwhelmed, maybe identifying a whole lot with some of the more toxic parts of the stories that we've been talking about? Like, you know, what, yeah, how to get back to the river? Yeah, for sure. Um, quite, quite a few places and, and you know I just want to say thank you for uh, you know presencing those those key aspects and really bringing this back to now that 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 more feminine receptive aspect and but yet also this very kind of like logical practical aspect of where we can start thank you for that um, so for starters, I would say, you know, I've been seeing a lot in the field about the idea of dopamine detox. And um, there are a lot of different ways to do this, um, but they usually involve obviously things like, you know, relaxing as much as possible on the coffee uh, caffeinated type of substances and allowing those uh, neurochemistry to rebalance out. There is, you know, things like taking time off of, uh, like Facebook and social media because uh, those things also play on that same system. It's like that the like button, uh, you know, neurochemical cocktail of like, how many likes did I get? Oh, like, 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 oh, text message, like, you know, it's all all that stuff is just chemical uh, hits to the brain usually. Uh, I think Facebook in particular specifically revolves around what they call like the devil's cocktail. There's all these like different basically like categorizations of like, you know, this, you know, heavy on dopamine and adrenaline versus serotonin and oxytocin or whatever. But um, anyway, so that's, that's a good one. Uh, I find earthing is really great. Um, going out and despite all of the, you know, we have so much going on with like Wi-Fi and uh, all sorts of things exciting our nervous system, just going out and sticking your feet on the ground, even for like one to five minutes, you know, it takes and uh, there's that electromagnetic connection into the earth. Of course, there's things like um, meditation, yoga, 
going on walks. Um, and then there's also things with diet. You know, there's things like taking probiotics or uh, intermittent fasting to replenish that chemistry within our gut-brain biome. There's also uh, getting into inherently more, quote-unquote, feminine activities, uh, maybe picking up a paintbrush or just uh, doing some writing or playing some music or just relaxing and listening to some music if you don't play music, you know. Um, activities that just allow, but all those things, those things that I just mentioned, a lot of them can be done in a very masculine way too. Um, but things that basically bring us into this space where we're like watching more what comes in, you know, like what comes into our psyche, what feelings are coming up in our body, you know, because uh, a lot of times these more excited masculine things are, they're there to, so we won't confront feelings that are in our body, feelings of constriction or, uh, you know, emotional things or pain or like, especially mm -hmm. with what's going on in, at least especially here in the state, right? Like people stay distracted with the social media and the news because they don't want to like sit with themselves and go, wait a minute, what can I do with myself in my life? you know, to change this, you know, it's like so, confronting things like that. Around that, one of the things that I've been noticing big time in the past week or so, and this loops back in with the, the Lilith and the, uh, what I call the exiled or jettisoned feminine, mm -hmm. um, how much judgment serves the continuation of the, the disconnection or the constriction or the walling off um, mm -hmm. of those parts of ourselves. And so one of the things that, like, that I would offer that's been helpful for me in terms of that returning to the river has been being even ever more mindful of where my judgments about others are coming up and mm -hmm. anytime a judgment around somebody else's behavior or how they're dressed or, you know, for me it's coming up a lot around the feminine, and for sure, like it's, it's, it's definitely on the ways, you know, that women quote unquote use their sexuality to get what they want or to, you know, mm -hmm. and to be like, oh, okay, that like, that's that's a programming that judgment is there to keep me from recognizing the power within myself that exists somehow in this situation um and to just look at any time a judgment is coming up to be like really look in within and take that as a prompt that <laughs> like it's like okay if i'm having a judgment then that's a prompt for me to sit with myself 
and to really try and find some aspect that I'm judging within myself. And more often yep. than not, it is I am judging whatever I'm judging because I'm afraid to feel either the lack mm. of it within myself or the overwhelm of it within myself or, yeah, both. <laughs> well, in that, exactly. That right there is the, you know, the other side of the zodiac of Aries is Libra, you know, and with all of that, the, you know, we talked about Aries and Lilith and that being in Aries, Libra, which the sun's in right now, is represents the reflection that we get, you know, when we're like, and that's a big part of, you know, we, we, the, the whole, this whole topic came up when you, we were talking about this post or a couple posts that I was going to make on uh, this Mercury retrograde. And Libra is a huge aspect of that, too, because of everything going on in Aries. And it's that reflection of both, it's like the mind-matter mirror, you know, or like the, the reflection of the reality around us or our, our relationships. It's either the reflection through a relationship or the reflection through the reality of, in general when it's like we like, you know, if you literally stand in a mirror, you put your right hand up and you see, you know, the reflection of that. And it's that sort of thing of looking at the world around us or our relationships and going, what do I, what's reflected to me right now? You know, and taking that lens and going internally. And that's really hard right now for a lot of people to like look at the, the world stage and flip it around and go, where, where if any places is this reflected in me? You know, and then mm -hmm. turning that around after going through the process of feeling the feels and going, okay, so how can I take back my power to do something about this? Well, first of all, it's just, in, in, it may only be this. It may just be going through that process in your own psyche. Hmm. It may not, like people like look at, something like uh, whatever, like going out and protesting, right? I'm not in whatever. I'm not going to get into that topic. I'm saying what if a way, way, way more powerful action is to transform those reflected places within your own psyche and your own nervous system? Hmm to shift the entire collective consciousness. I'm not saying don't take any action on things, but like if you're taking action before you've transformed those places within yourself, then you're just going to go out and take the same actions that you don't want to see happen anyway. Um, right. And so there, you know, there's that. And, um, you know, another, another really important 
part of this is is sexuality, and that's something that I wanted to talk about as well, because this is kind of some of the bigger hidden mystery of all of this is the amount of energy in the call, you know, that we talked about um, is very deeply connected to sexual energy and our sexuality. And sexual energy is just creative energy. It's life force energy. It's everything pretty much that exists here isn't made out of sexual energy in one way or another. <clears throat> but in particular, I'm talking about this in relationship to our body. And as we build sexual energy within our body, as we connect deeper and deeper to our sexuality in a healthy way, we actually build up a magnetic field where those things that we want or desire to manifest come easier because humans are electromagnets. And the, the energy that powers that electromagnet is sexual creative energy. And when we build up that force in our system, what we find is that counter to the mind's necessarily first way of looking at it, rather than, let's say, having to be so like our current society is with getting things accomplished and making things happen, right? What we start to see is more of what a lot of people would deem magic, you know? Uh, and we, can, we could also talk about the quantum hmm. when we talk yeah. about that sort of thing, right? And so this energy builds in our system, and that's when we really get deeper into the, these, like, finer points of, like, people talk about, like, the law of attraction and things like that. And... In order for that sort of thing to work in the way that it really works is more based around a much more complex science of the way that sexual energy works in the body. And then now we're kind of 360-ing back to what we originally started to in this conversation, talking about like Council of Nicaea, disconnection from power, and things like that. Um, because there was this whole association of femininity with sexuality, which, of course, not, not wrongly so, but I'm right. saying that it was, that was looked at as the, the storehouse of power, you know, and so... And the, also the fall of mankind into sin. Right. Exactly. And so that was the whole trick in a lot of ways, just to go, okay, well, we'll tell these stories, we'll, like, skew these stories to not have anything to do with the sexuality to hide, to hide the true power of the, the mystery. And 
thus like move into this whole like patriarchal masculine type of way instead of this way where it was you know when you connect into that sexual energy and you build it and then things just manifest and come into being you know so that's where also this comes into play of like and I also want to say that there's a simultaneous process there of like when you work with that energy, you build that that type of energy. Your 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 stuff, your shadows and things of that nature, uh, will come up. Yes. By just by default, and at the same token, it's also good to know that if that is a route that you connect with, to also put into place some of these other things that we've talked about of self-work, you know, before going headfirst into that being your thing. It's this very fine line or kind of like razor's edge of like building the energy, having stuff come up, slash like going into the stuff and then building the energy. You know, it's like it's it's a fine balance. So that's yeah. another thing that I thought was really important to to bring into consciousness because that's going to come up big too over the next month. Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, we have no idea what we're going to see come out in terms of secrets yet around sexual stuff. But I will give a hint. It probably has something to do with stuff that's already been coming up this year. Right. Well, and as I've heard you say before, you know, uh, what's playing out on the world stage are all just, little, you know, reflections of processes within us and, you know, it's like, well, you know, would there even be such unsavory behaviors if we lived in a reality that embraced our sexuality? Um, Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And and so yeah, like how what what parts of ourselves, what parts of our own um, desires and sexuality have we made wrong because of what we believe with our social programming, and therefore mm-hmm. come out in unseemly ways that are self-sabotaging, that make us feel guilty or um, you know make us feel disconnected from our loved ones. Uh, so that what I hear you saying is like, get ready for all that to be coming to the surface. Definitely, a, definitely a chunk of it. Um, maybe not all of it. You know, it, who knows when and if that you know it's all done or whatever. You know, uh, I'm sure this is a uh, multi-year collective right. process but um, you know in particular what we have is three mercury retrograde and Scorpio op- oppositions with Uranus um, and October 31st Halloween Samhain whatever you would like to term you would like to use for that day um, we we have a uh, full moon conjunct Uranus almost exactly, uh, within like seconds, not degrees, um, and opposing Mercury and Scorpio. And like I said, I didn't want to get too into uh, 
astrology for those that aren't knowledgeable, but you know, they say that if you can predict a Uranus transit accurately, then it wasn't Uranus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so with that opposition to Mercury retrograde in the sign of sexuality, power struggles, the taboo, uh, money, those sorts of themes, basically our own individual inner underworlds uh, or the collective underworld, um, it's likely that we're going to see sudden revealing of secrets or information around those things. Um, And that's not just during the process because over the next month of October, that's the Mercury retrograde is going to be opposing Uranus. But then also, with that full moon on the 31st, that's going to impact the whole next cycle, at least two. So, you know, from October 31st until November, you know, something or other when we hit the next Gemini full moon there. So, um lots of stuff just kind of like coming up and out of nowhere of like, oh, you know, within ourselves, like I said, of like Mm -hmm. this like hidden information about those things and in the collective that could be, you know, very interesting sudden bits of news around those things um, in a very unpredictable manner. Mm-hmm. That's why I said, uh, you know, the opening of one of my recent posts was, uh, you know, put on your galactic seatbelt. <laughs> well, or I was thinking your galactic galoshes, right? <laughs> oh, gonna... yeah, galactic galoshes. I like that one. <clears throat> that one's good. Waiting maybe to the, maybe the your muck. galactic condom in this case, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to drop that one in there. Uh, right. Yeah. But yeah, definitely pretty interesting stuff that should be coming out here and then. So, you know, I feel um, you spoke of her in the beginning and throughout. And I just want to give a, a, a more specific nod to Eris. Um, mm. You know, she. Uh, she she who by um contemporary mythology appears to us in bowling alleys um you know she she comes when least expected let's put it that way um mm-hmm. so i think and it feels very tied to the uranian energy you know that if you thought yep. you predicted it it wasn't it wasn't uranus um yep and uh so this these chaotic these kind of chaotic forces but uh, in what i've learned um you know nature loves chaos in a way nature loves diversity totally. it's where it's where the the most potent creative situation specific exactly in the right place at the right time magic happens um and yeah, so I was with that whole Mars retrograde, Eris. You know, mm. I I, I want to bring in a blessing, like because that, like everything that we were just talking mm. about, 
feels really like heavy and like oh no like brace mm. yourself mm-hmm. like all this blah. but with within uh, all yeah. of that traipsing through the shadowy underworld sewer system you know sewer system of our collective and personal uh, energy is the opportunity for that heiress magic to you know when you feel like you're either in the most mundane like annoying place or when you feel you're in the most chaotic crazy overwhelming place um, to bring in that blessing of, of unexpected magic and synchronicity of like nope this is exactly the right place in the right time and there there are jewels there's you know we can actually bring back to the surface these precious, precious moments of connection with ourselves in these dark places um, that fuel yeah. us, you know. Totally. I'd love to drop into that for a second. It's like we are all, first and foremost, children of the Great Mother. And the deep understanding that she and or it is always on our side is very important to understand in all of this. Um, And as crazy as what we talked about might have sounded, I personally am actually super stoked about everything that's going on in one way or another in the world right now, Um, in the shifts that are taking place, you know, even the elections coming up, whatever, all these, the Mercury retrograde, I'm pretty excited for it. Um, I have a great feeling about all of it. And it's because when the deeper we go into that connection, into those spaces within, the deeper we feel held by that great mother that birthed us, that is all around us, that is, you know, everything that we literally interact with is her blood. Mm. And to feel that deep felt sense of like tangible kind of like being held by the universe is what is there and is what is possible. It's what's here. And in relation to Aries specifically, I actually found this really great uh, quote that I'm going to read for a second uh, before we tapped into the show. And it says, I am chaos. I am the substance from which your artists and scientists build rhythms. I am the spirit with which your children and clowns laugh in happy anarchy. I am chaos, I am alive, and I tell you that you are free. Mm. And that's important to understand as well as, you know, Aries is just past Pluto. And the thing that Aries taps us into is this deep ancestral connection, this place beyond death, this place beyond uh, 
you know, is beyond the depths of things that we can understand even within this, this lifetime. You know, in this Mercury retrograde coming in is very much so about the ancestors in huge ways. And it's important to understand, too, that in that it's like this, when we look in the mirror, what we're looking at is our ancestors. When we look at the reality around us, what we're looking at is our ancestors. Because it is their thoughts, their words, their actions, their deeds that made this moment possible, right? Coupled with ours, but it is all of their stuff that led up to that moment of our birth. And even as far as when we look in the mirror and we look into our eyes, we can see down these like fractals and spirals back into these genetic lineages all the way to like the source of creation itself. And Aries is what taps us into that like raw power of all of those things and all of those lineages. And this is an amazing time to go outside, go into a ceremony, sit in prayer and ask for your ancestors to guide you, to teach you, to help you, to bring you clarity, all those things. Because those energies, they are like so elated. Your ancestors are so elated when you ask for their connection, for their help. Because they, that's how they live. That's how they continue to live on is by, they, they want to help you because everything they did is, was for you, right? And they are embodied through you and they get to have these experiences through you. So that's been something important too and especially with this Mercury retrograde, you know, full moon, Halloween, like amazing ultimate time to uh, ask for that connection because that veil is so, so thin. The ability to see yes. uh, into the other world is so much easier something that it's always here, but like it gets so thin that like it can, it can literally become visual or tangible for a lot of people uh, that might not already have that sort of connection and interaction. And so if you, you know, you make those offerings and those asks, they will connect you into those, those energies and those lineages and that power. They will come to you to guide you because they're essentially, they're assisting you with moving through the things within you that they couldn't move through. And that's the whole point. It's like they left behind their shadows, you know, the, the Aztecas call it the smoky mirror. Yes. And it's that, the, the smoke is, is the reality in a lot of ways because it's their actions and things that they did that make up what we see as the fabric of reality, right? And then yep. when we take action each moment, then we move this snake forward into continuing creation 
until one day we become those ancestors, you know. Um, and, and it's really beautiful process. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad you presenced that because Aries is that connection in a lot of ways. You know, Pluto leads us beyond death. And Aries is really, uh, you know, even one step further into uh, that which is beyond. Where if, if like Pluto is, let's say, the masculine aspect of that which beyond death and then Aries is the feminine, hmm. you know, so it's like, this more very it's like the dark phoenix in x-men in a lot of ways it's that uh yes. you know that 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 overwhelming crazy amount of power that can like psychically tap into and transform things that we can't even possibly imagine and it can it can flower us into some of the greatest reaches of who we can potentially be um, and that's really beautiful Whew. yeah and don't even get me started on all the amazing allegories we've had in uh, 2019 <laughs> in pop culture in terms of yeah the, this this work and developing our our car our plasma bodies and that's all we could do a whole other show on that <laughs> Um, maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I just wanted to presence. You know, I, you and I can talk forever, <laughs> and we are just about to hit um, our two-hour mark here. So I, I think, I think I'd like to wrap up. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think this is a great place to. Come back into our bodies. Um, yeah, we went all the way out there. And now it's time to come back. And um, for those of you who have gone on this whole journey with us, just so much gratitude and mm. reverence because time is most certainly our most precious commodity and most precious currency in this lifetime. And so to share it um, in this kind of intimate way with you, Thomas, thank you very much. And with whomever is listening, thank you very much. Yeah, deep, definitely deep, deep gratitude um, for your time. Thanks to Saturn for providing the space of that time as well and um, yeah thank you so much for you know offering me this opportunity uh, or us this opportunity to come together in this way and I hope everyone uh, enjoyed it and got something out of it and yeah and, until next time until next time <laughs> all right friends until next time Force is not the way at all. Just let go, you will see. The way to do is to be. Let things ripen and then fall. Force is not. 